Welcome to DevQuest, a podcast from the folks behind Lando about the wonderful and perilous journey of the modern web developer. Do you come from a non-technical background? Have you ever wondered how you'll ever be a real developer like the larger-than-life online personalities you follow? On today's episode, I talk with Sean Day Person. Sean Day is currently a UI engineer at SalesLoft and a popular speaker at tech conferences. But she started her career working conference floors as a salesperson. Here are a few key points to listen to as we talk. Overcoming the intimidation of not having a CS degree. How maniacal prioritization can help you achieve unbelievable things. How using skills from your old career can help you succeed as a developer. How to get your first job as a developer. And why you might consider including video with your next job application. Let's go talk to Sean Day. Hey, everybody. Today, I'm here with Sean Day Person from SalesLoft. Uh, hi, Sean Day. How are you doing today? Hi, Dustin. I'm great. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. I'm, I'm going to steal Dave Ramsey's thing. I'm going to say I'm doing better than I deserve because that, that makes me sound super cool. So Love that energy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Sean Day, can you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do at SalesLoft? Yeah, so I am Sean Day person. I um, am a UI engineer at SalesLoft. And um, I know we'll talk about this, but I was I spent my entire career in sales and decided that I wanted to move to engineering. So um, that was like a big recent accomplishment for me. What SalesLoft does is uh, we build and maintain a sales engagement platform. So it's a software for sellers. That's something I don't do very much of. So I, f- I feel like at some point in life, I need to learn a little bit more about how to be a salesperson. Maybe I'll have to bug you later. Okay. Uh, but but uh, yeah, and actually, uh, I very similarly sort of started my career doing stuff. I was an art student when I was in college and ended up working in customer service for almost, you know, probably about a decade before making the jump to web development. And I think there's a lot of people out there for whom web development or you know engineering software engineering of any kind feels like this sort of nebulous thing that only the like super smart geeks do mm-hmm. and that is not accessible to everyone else and you need a you know crazy college degree to do it and i you know this has come up over and over again that for a lot of the people in our community this just isn't the case uh, what got you interested in switching from doing sales to working in software engineering my first like corporate sales job where I was sitting down. Um, Before that, I was working selling at trade shows. Um, So my actual job in an first job in an office was at a software company um, selling software that was used for engineers. So I was selling to engineers. Before I got that job um, and I got it through a referral, I didn't think that one, I was interested in engineering because like you said, it was reserved for the most elite nerds, the super smart mathematicians. Um, and then even the engineers that I was selling to, um, in fact, the the engineers who put the rover on Mars, those are my customers. So like, those are like physicists, mathematicians, scientists, super, super smart people who like would speak and I couldn't understand things. So um, those are the people that I was selling to. One, I found that I was really good at the selling part of it, but the part that I was most interested in was what they were using our software to do. So the software that I was selling is called um, MATLAB and Simulink. It's what they use for like, you're you're familiar. So um, for simulation of dynamic systems, um, all kinds of different math things. And people were doing such cool stuff with it. Like, of course, yeah, you have the rocket scientists who are building rockets to go on Mars, um, but also like geologists who are using it to measure how much seeds you need to put in by an orange tree to make the oranges grow the biggest. And so like there was just so many uh, such a range of possibilities with one language. Um, And that was really fascinating to me. Still, it didn't seem like something that I could do because I didn't have a computer science degree or I wasn't a PhD in physics like a lot of these folks. So um, it just didn't seem accessible. So it was one of those things that I said, you know, if I could go back to school, um, I had like an additional maybe 13 years to go through and like really study, that would be something that 
that I would do. So it was an interest of mine, but still like throughout my career, just didn't seem like something I could get into. Yeah. So it's, it sounds like, you know, you got sparked by the interest, but you, you were definitely thrown into the deep end as far as programming goes like that. That feels like that almost double reinforced the idea that like, okay, I thought this was for the math nerds before, but now I'm completely convinced if I don't have a degree in, in rocket science engineering, you know, then, then it's not in the cards for me. Yeah, I, I can imagine that took the sort of this will never be for me and sort of put it in, into overdrive. You know, fast forward a little while, um, you know, what what actually got you into that sort of like first attempt at, you know, all right, I am going to try this, even though it's supposed to be for the math nerds. Like what made that click and switch for you? To take a step back, I sales was never like a passion of mine, admittedly. What my passion was, was entrepreneurship. And um, I went to school, undergrad for entrepreneurship. And the way that I got into sales, sales was supposed to be something that I used to practice the skills that I would need to become a great entrepreneur. Yeah. One of my entrepreneurs, and yeah. Um, so one of my entrepreneurship professors told me that the best way to understand what it's like to be an entrepreneur is to start a commission only sales job. And that's how I got into the trade shows. Um, it was commission only, 100% travel. I was only home two weeks out of the year. Mm. Um, and so that was kind of how I took my first dive into sales. Um, so when there came a point in my life around 2015, where I decided that I was just going to pursue my direct passions for entrepreneurship, I was going to quit the workforce and become a business owner. So I left and um, started my own business. And it was an online only business, um, selling basically anything that you would see in Whole Foods. What I loved most about that, which I didn't expect was I had this little Shopify website. Um, so I had to learn liquid to be able to customize it. Cause I was like, I have to have a better site than everybody else. You know, it has to be like, I'm selling something that other people are selling. So I have to stand out in some way. Um, so what I really liked about it was customizing my website to make it into my own and to serve my customers using all the little tips and tricks that I had learned along the way in sales and like what drives a customer or what would cause them to add something at the last minute. Um, so all that stuff and then integrating the different systems together. And so I liked it so much. It wasn't ever the main thought, but, um, I ended up like, people were like, Hey, I really like your site. Like, could I pay you to customize my Shopify site? And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I would, <laughs> I would do it for no money, honestly. Um, I like it so much, but I was like, maybe I should think about starting a separate business. That's like, you know, freelancing and, um, helping people to, do their Shopify websites or um, just like do something on the side, like do apps for businesses or something like that. Cause that would kind of marry my passion for entrepreneurship and helping entrepreneurs grow and this new like budding interest I have in coding and development. Yeah. So, so having that situation of being sort of an entrepreneur and having complete control over, you know, like I have to build this website. There's no one else who's going to come do it. And then, you know, you, it sounds like you got like, you know, the little bits of like, oh, like this is fun. And then like, oh, like this is not that difficult. Like I can actually, you know, like I can do this and I can do it better than other people. And don't get me wrong because I, I didn't understand what I was doing at the time. Like I was like, I never went through any coding things. And still, even at that time, I thought that I needed to have a computer science degree to be able to do this. Um, so what I did was, and I started kind of backwards. Like I started with a a book on C++. So just Ooh. to show you, and this is where I thought that like, this just goes to show you how little I knew about engineering. Um, I thought that this is what I needed to learn to be able to, to make apps. So I read like maybe the first couple of paragraphs and I was like, okay, this is not like, it just kind of reinforced, like, this is not what, <laughs> what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, but like I could identify patterns. So like, as I was looking at liquid Shopify's language, I would see like different patterns, like, oh, this is using this to reference this. And um, this is where I can go to customize the colors and things like that. Um, and so I felt like a, like kind of a baby hacker. Um, and so it was interesting enough that, you know, I thought, okay, I could probably sell this, but still not all the way accessible to me. <laughs> I still haven't ever done any work with things like C++. Like there's that whole, uh, you know, 
sort of you know, when you work in the web especially you get this idea that like okay like we're programmers but like the people who do the real hardcore stuff are the people who are you know writing c or you know c sharp or, or objective c you know they're doing some sort of os level desktop application programming um and i think it, it turns out that it's it's probably not that much more difficult than the stuff we already know how to do. It's just that it's a different thing. Yeah. You know, but, <laughs> but yeah, so, so I, de and I definitely, uh, you know, feel for that sort of like opening up some of those books and being like, well, I thought maybe I could do this, but I don't understand any of this nonsense. There's just code all over the page and it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. But, but I think, you know, the, the sort of practical need, you know, kind of, you know, of, I can actually, I'm building something and I may do it wrong, right? Like it doesn't matter that it's not perfect, but like I'm building something and I can launch it out to the world. And when it breaks, like I'll go figure out how to fix it. And then in six, right. six to nine months, I'm going to come back and say, why did I write my code that way? Right. I feel like all of us go through that, right? You know, that they're. Um, and it never stops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So. Um, one thing you mentioned, in one of the blog posts I read was, you know, this kind of after you started doing this sort of entrepreneurship thing and uh, and started getting into some of the programming that at some point you made the transition back to doing sales as a full time career. And one word stuck out to me in in particular, you mentioned like trying to figure out sort of what the responsible path was. And I thought that that was pretty interesting. Uh, and so I wanted to hear your thoughts on on that. Like, so what that kind of meant to you? I was doing really well with my business. And um, at the time, I didn't know it, but um, or like this was, you know, I was kind of um, on a trajectory to do like a lot of big expansions um, over the next year. But then I found out that I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And um, any entrepreneur can tell you, I mean, those first couple of years are tough, but, yeah. to, you know, bring a child into it and not have the security of health insurance is really the big thing um, or to even have a baby in the United States. And it costs so much just to, to have a child like between the doctor's appointments and everything. So I was like, yeah, really, I need to go back to, um, I need to go back to somewhere where I have like the security of having a salary um, and have health insurance. So I went back to um, my job where I was selling MATLAB and Simulink um, and did that. And the reason why it was safe for me was because this is where I had already spent my entire career. I had invested all my time in it. Um, and still in my mind, I, you know, I, I was doing, I was an entrepreneur, but I was using those sales skills every day, like literally, literally knocking on doors to sell my product, um, or to get us in at trade shows or to get new clients, um, like cold calling people online and things like that. So I was hev heavily leveraging my sales skills. Um, and I was confident that, you know, it, I could do a really good job um, in sales. So for me, that was the safe path at that time. Um, one, a company that I was already familiar with, I had a good reputation within the company, but two, in a field that I had already spent probably close to a decade by that time. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. You know, it's a, it's skills that you've got a long track record of knowing like, hey, these skills are useful. I'm good at it. Um, and this business, you know, having a business that you're working with, it's like, I know that they've been able to sell stuff for years, that certainty. And with big changes coming in your life, that makes a lot of sense. Right. So, you know, fast forwarding a little bit more, uh, you know, at, you know, at a later date, you you made this transition back to, okay, like I'm going to go back in to do engineering. Can you tell me a little bit about like that change coming back to like, okay, I've got the job. Things are a little stable. Now I'm going to go this other direction. What was that like? I, I know it sounds kind of crazy, right? Cause I'm talking about like doing the responsible thing. So I, um, it's still in my head. There was this little bug that was like, man, if I could go back to school for computer science, I wish I had done it. And I remember like a moment. So my, I, um, I'm the oldest of four. My youngest sibling is 11 years younger than me. So that's the age difference between us. I was at her college graduation. She graduated with, um, she started with computer science and then she decided to switch it to, um, MIS management information systems. And I was at her graduation and it like 
vividly, I remember like it just clicked for me there. I had my son in my hand and I was like, why didn't I do that? Why, like, why do I keep telling myself that? Like in no other area of my life have I just been like, oh, what if? And just fine with that. Like just fine with what if as the answer to my things and anything, like I'm always willing to take a risk for like a calculated risk. Um, You know, it's not like, I'm, I mean, I have skydive but like it's not like i'm just like jumping off a, a bridge with no parachute right, right. so um, even skydiving's calculated they <laughs> they plan that out ahead of time <laughs> right i'm like you know i still have 30 plus years in the workforce um i shouldn't i it makes no sense for me to sit here and say what if and as i look at my son and what i want him to look at me for or um to what I want him to learn from me is that you don't live your life focused on the things that are just there for you. Um, instead of the thing, the things that you want, instead of going after the things that you want, like I didn't, and I didn't want him to feel like, okay, she, you know, was on a path to following her passions, but then because I was born, she decided to give up on all of that stuff when, um, I could have both, you know, like I, you know, just having him, it doesn't, it doesn't, and actually like having him gave me the inspiration to pursue my passions, but I didn't want him to feel like I had held back because, you know, and have that burden on him um, just because he was born. So um, I want him to look at me and say, okay, yeah, my mom pursued everything that every dream that she had. um, And she brought me right along with her for the ride. And, um, you know, so I decided, I mean, I didn't make the decision right then and there, but I was like, you know, let me see and figure out how this would work. And shortly after that, and there's something with like Google and the search results. If as soon as you think something, you start getting ads for it. Right. So (laughs) for sure. Even if if you whisper it quietly to someone in the house, (laughs) (laughs) like plugged into my brain. So (laughs) I start shortly after getting ads for Codecademy. Mm-hmm. And um, so I saw this ad for Codecademy and it was like, sorry, underneath the ad, there were these comments and people were like, oh yeah, you know, this versus computer science degree. And then I saw one of these comments and it was like, you don't need a computer science degree. I'm, I'm self-taught and I'm an engineer. And that was the first time I heard that. I was like, self, oh, I can do this. Like I could do self-taught, even if it's just like a hobby, I can, you know, work, work my way through it. And like, you know, in my, on my weekends or like when my kid goes to sleep, I can just, you know, work on just learning to code and just see where it goes. Like I'll start with the first project that I did was, um, redesigning my son's daycare's website. Cause they have a horrible website. Um, so I started to play with that, like play with like colors and all different kinds of CSS. Um, and it started to bud into more than just a side thing. I was like doing it. So like, I would look forward to it as soon as my son, you know, went to sleep, I would be coding and I'd be like, okay, I'll give myself a half an hour to do this. And then like, I'd look up and it was one thirty in the morning and I'm like, oh my God, I have to get up in like a couple hours. So that started to make me think like, okay, engineers get paid really well. Like in sales, I get paid really well, but engineers, you, you can get paid really well. So there's a really viable path down and I could get paid to do my, my, the thing that I'm passionate about. So why not make it into a career? So, um, that was where I started to go down the path of like, I'm going to take this really seriously. I'm going to start really learning to code. I'm going to, you know, leverage my sales skills to, get contacts and rally mentors around me and things like that um, and and make this happen. Yeah, it definitely seems like it sticks out to me that I know that in, in sort of my transition to, you know, convincing myself that this was a, a path that I, I don't think I realized it at the time, but the sort of sales skills of being able to, you know, show up and talk to a person and being able to say like, look, I don't have it. I don't have a ton of evidence that I can do this, but like still being able to sell them on the fact that like, Hey, I know like if, if, if I have a chance that I can execute here. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody's a salesperson and, um, it's just, it's a career built on soft skills. So any, like us interacting here right now, um, we're, you know, I'm selling you on the fact that I'm a, I deserve to be on this podcast. (laughs) Hopefully I'm selling you on, on the idea that I deserve to host a podcast at some point. You are, you are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the amount of 
effort and time that, you know, that it takes to put into sort of learning a new set of skills is quite significant. And mm -hmm. I know for you in your situation that, you know, you don't, you probably don't have a lot of extra time, you know, compared to the average person. Uh, so like, how did you make that work? So not easy. Um, yeah. in, in sales, it's very demanding. It's um, especially in the stuff that I was doing. So like the part of the way that I would build relationships with my customers is I would have these human to human interactions where they felt so comfortable with me that they had my cell phone number and they could text me at any hour with any questions. And many of them used that, um, not used it like in a bad sense, but like, you know, leverage that. Yep. Um, and so things just, you know, as much as I wanted to just close my computer at five o'clock, if somebody's saying, okay, I'll sign a deal tonight, I'm going to work a little bit longer to get that deal signed. So um, my hours were all over the place. I have a newborn. And then um, I became a single parent too in 2019, the year, uh, or sorry, 2020, actually last year. So um, this the was year the year of doom. Yeah, right. Right, <laughs> right before the pandemic. So, um, and then on top of that, like managing, like navigating life as a single parent in a pandemic. Um, and then I decided to take on this responsibility of changing my career completely. So was not easy. Time, like you said, was a, was a big, uh, it was a big challenge. Yeah. What I had to do was what I call maniacal prioritization. So I had to list out my, the things that were most important to me and the things that I could absolutely not live without during the day, during my day to day, and then only do those things. It meant that a lot of the stuff that I wanted to do, like to do, or would get distracted by had to get pushed away or put on hold so that I could have the time to do this. And, um, I'm a big believer in you can have everything that you want. You just can't have it all right now. So I'm like, all right, well, you know, maybe I can't hang out with everybody. And the pandemic made this easier. To <laughs> That's true, that part at least. <laughs> right. <laughs> like maybe I can't hang out. I can't go out for after work drinks and things like that. Um, and I stopped drinking. I um, paused Netflix for a long, except for like the kid shows. Um, I, I paused Netflix for a while and which is focus. And I had my I, I would wake up early. I don't advise anybody like do this if it's not for you. It's it's not for everybody, but I would yeah. wake up at six every morning, um, get my workout in because it made me feel good. And um, it gave me the energy to go throughout the day, yeah. wake up before my kid do that, then um, go to work. And before the pandemic, just, you know, like actually physically go to work. Then at five o'clock, shut everything down. So all the stuff, you know, extras with my customers, all that stuff is going to have to wait until the next day. Then spend, um, when I got home a couple hours dedicated to my son, like very focused time where I'm fully present, you know, no screens on or anything like that. Yeah. Then right after he goes to bed, I start coding and doing what I have to do to, um, build the projects. Even the way that I learned to code um, or the process that I had for like what I'm going to learn now, what I'm going to learn next, even that took a level of prioritization. So yeah. um, first I did the Code Academy track so that I learned the fundamentals. Then I quickly adopted a mentor. And um, one of the biggest things that I got out of that relationship was that he told me these are the things that you need to know in order to get this job. These are the things that you don't need to know. And I so appreciate that because like, it's so hard. Like, like I said, you know, you start out thinking, okay, well, I need to know C++. I need to know PHP. I need to know JavaScript. I need to know Node, React, like everything um, to be able to apply for like a junior engineering job. Right. But no, you don't like find out what you need to know. Find out like what the bare minimum is. If your goal is to be on the fast track, what's the bare minimum that I need? And how can I play that up, showcase it so that everybody's looking at me like, oh, she is engineer extraordinaire, even yeah. though, you know, like you only have two hours a day to be able to spend on learning. Just make sure that those two hours are focused on those number one things that you need to move into this career. Yeah, and definitely I know that when I got started, um, there there was a similar like, oh, I need to know a lot more than I, than I actually do know. Yeah. One of the biggest things for me was, yeah, it wasn't like, 
I don't know if I'd call them a mentor, but you know, when I reached out to the first company who I worked with in sort of in web development, it was about I convinced them that while I wasn't an expert yet, that like I was a fast learner. And so they they let me start with like the simplest task that could be done. I didn't know, I didn't actually really know how to program at that point. So we were building Drupal sites and like you can get a lot done in Drupal just by clicking around the UI and and hitting save. So I got started doing that. And it's it was just the little you need you only needed to know, you know, the next the next step on the journey. And as long as you're constantly looking for that, then you're just constantly building. I love that. Yeah. And I've um, been reading a lot on mentorship and it's been, um, especially since I uh, started to move over to engineering, it's been something that's really top of mind for me. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a different, like a lot of, traditionally we think of mentorship as the relationship that I had with this this person at my company where we meet once a week for an hour and we have like these very focused sessions with an agenda and all that good stuff. But you, one, you should have more than one mentor. Um, And those can be in all different facets of your life. You can have multiple mentors for engineering. You can have multiple mentors for parenting, but it doesn't have to be as formal as that. It can be just, you know, Hey, every once a year, send me um, a Drupal challenge. And, you know, that person acts as a mentor to you. They don't have to say, okay, yes, I am your mentor and like shake your hand for it. It's, but that is mentorship. Like they're teaching you something, they're helping you and they are part of your network of people that you can go to, to next, to, to get your skills to the next level. So um, I think that's, that's awesome. They are mentors for you. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's sort of, I, I, I feel very lucky that the company, the first company I got hired into doing, doing this work was full of really smart people. And one, one of my favorite things to do is to be wrong loudly in front of them. So that, (laughs) that way you have to, you know, you kind of have to cast off the, you know, the, the shame of, of not getting it right. Right. And, and and be willing to just like fall flat on your face in front of smart people, because if the right smart people are around, don't do that. I'm going to come help you. <laughs> so that, that was one of the techniques I use. But but yeah, I mean, it sounds you know, when, when reading some of your blog posts about this process for you, it sounds like definitely the, the history in sales and understanding how to talk to people uh, and understanding how to be real with people and tell them like, Hey, like, just tell me what I need to do mm-hmm. and, and I'll do it. Like that, that was very helpful. Mm-hmm. So you, cl- you climbed a very difficult ladder, but you put, you put the things in place to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I know for a lot of people, it's, it's hard to know what's the first thing or what's the next thing. Um, that's why I, I will tell you that if there is one thing that you need to do, um, it's ask for help. Like, Mm. don't feel afraid. And I love what you said about, you know, falling flat on your face in front of people. That's scary. You know, a lot of people are um, afraid to do it. It puts you in a very vulnerable spot. I don't want to say ego, but I I think it is the word. It's, um, it it is a bruise to your ego to, um, you know, because it's hard to not take it personally when someone helps you uh to overcome um a failure or a challenge or when you do fail it i mean it it is a bruise to your ego especially Um, when they're not gentle yes yeah (laughs) you can't expect everybody to be gentle with you it's just not the way that life works and um it, it is hard it is hard it's hard to be vulnerable it's hard to it's hard to fail um or it's hard to go into something knowing that there's the possibility of failure failing fast getting good at feeling fast. Um, it's as hard as it is, it's, um, you have to do it. It's like one of the, the things that you have to do to be successful. Like anybody that you see, any of your mentors, the people that you look up to anybody famous and successful, like, um, all of them have failed at some point. Um, try and get it out of the way. Like just, you know, do it fast, fail, and then pick yourself up, learn from it and, and move on. Yeah. And I guess if, if if you're not having failure happen, you're probably not pushing, you know, not pushing yourself to do anything that's outside your comfort zone. A hundred percent. hundred percent. The other half of like being able to, to fail in public, especially for career change, you know, folks like us who were doing something previously, you know, it's, it's very comfortable to stay attached to those skills that you have and not to kind you know, if you're, you, you've had years of successful sales career, like, 
you can do that. And, you know, like if I just keep doing this, there's very little you know chance that, that I'm going to fail. But like making that change, you know, becomes even more important for people who are trying to, you know, like make a pivot in their life. Definitely. Yeah. And I think um, part of the reason why it took me so long to come to the conclusion that I wanted to move to engineering was because sales was like safe because that's what I had done. And, you know, I felt comfortable in my sales skills and it felt kind of like a waste because I had gone through, I got, you know, bachelor's in entrepreneurship and I spent well, 12 years in sales. I got an MBA and um, it was focused on it was high technology management, which is like entrepreneurship. Sounds cool. It sounds real fancy, but um, it was more, it was business. So, um, so all of those like sales and business skills, I felt like a waste to go through. Like, when am I going to use these sales skills in engineering is what my thought was. But um, I leverage those every day. So like, so yes, you know, it is, it's, you feel comfortable using the skills that you already have, but there is a way that you can leverage all of the skills that you've learned throughout your career, throughout your education, throughout your life in whatever your next journey is. Um, This is something that I've been speaking about a lot recently. Like, for example, in my, well, one, um, in my applications and in my um, ability to like move from sales to engineering at my company, I leverage my sales skills heavily. Like, uh, being able to build a network, being able to talk to people, being able to sell them on the fact that I am the person for this job. All of that was sales skills. Um, and there's a way that you can do it no matter what, what you do now, but then also serendipitously, the product that we're selling is software for salespeople. So in a lot of our meetings where we're making decisions on, what are we going to put into the platform or this might be a limitation of our platform. Is that going to be okay? I get to say, actually, no, as a salesperson, I can tell you that this isn't going to fly or we need to add this. Um, So I bring this extra level of expertise that the team finds very valuable and I'm able to sell it to them in a way (laughs) that only a salesperson could. So um, one, I'd advocate for anybody being in sales um, at least for a little bit part of their career, but the moral of the story is that whatever skills that you have, whether you're um, a teacher or whether you're in school, you have skills that you can use as part of your journey. So don't feel like you'll be wasting it. Um, Don't put so much pressure on yourself to stay where you're comfortable. Um, There's a little bug inside your head that says you should be somewhere else. As you move through your career, even if you end up, you know, engineering may end up for all of us end up being just that skill that you take into, you know, being the CEO or CTO of a company at some later point where you're going to have those skills. They're going to combine with the skills that you had in your previous career. So like never be afraid if, if life is and, and your desire and passion is leading you to try something else that there, there's always going to be gatekeepers who say like, you can't, you're not one of us, but that, they're full of baloney. That's not actually true. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you probably do need to get a doctorate to become a doctor, but you know, <laughs> maybe, I mean, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the people, the people who you were selling to who are working on the space stuff, they probably need some specific credential for that to work. But for the rest of us, for a majority of the other things we do, you know, you're, you're probably just as, you know, as good at this as the people who you, who you look up to. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent agree. Yeah. There's always a way that you can leverage that. And I mean, parents, um, I, I talk a lot about parenthood because I'm a parent. It's such a yeah, big part of life. Yeah. But like that is another example, like you're gaining so many skills from parenthood that makes life a lot harder in some cases, but like you can translate those skills into um, skills that you can use at work as well. <laughs> I, I use yeah, the neg- for sure. my, my son is a big negotiator nowadays. He's three, um, <laughs> he's a big negotiator. And um, I've learned a lot. I've taught him a lot, but I've learned a lot about negotiation um, with a, a toddler. It's, it's tough, but um, he's taught me a lot about how to get what I want in a very gentle way and make it seem like it's the other person's idea. So 
Um, <laughs> That's a good, good skills. Are you you're using your batna with them? Your, uh, your <laughs> yeah, best alternative to negotiate agreement. That's what it stands for. Yes, to stay. Yep, staying up late, an extra hour for bedtime, as long as you um, brush your teeth on time and you don't give me any troubles when um, it's time to read books and all that good stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, all that. Included. Yeah, and I, I've I've found that with our three kids that there's a lot of corollaries between uh, trying to like lead a situation where lots of times like you feel that your kids like oh like. I'm doing all this work and I hope that they appreciate it someday. And, but the, you know, really the same way when you're actually in a position of leadership at a company, you know, the best is when we can look at it as like, I'm just doing this because this is the right thing to do. And I'm just helping to take care of people because that's what I should be doing. And it's actually good for me, you know, to, to help these people selflessly. So I definitely, uh, you know, I think that having, having three kids in, in our twenties as my wife and I did is like, yeah, you know, we've got a lot of experience doing things that seem to come up at work over and over and over again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, and one one of the blog posts that you wrote actually right at the end of last year talking about something that made your job application stand out, I thought was actually really interesting and an idea that I think a lot of people say they're going to do, but then don't actually end up following through on. So uh, what, what was that like for you? Like uh, for, for those who don't know, a little teaser, it's, you know, one of the big things that Sean Day said was, you know, make it personal and, you know, record a video to go with your application. I think that's a wonderful idea. So how, how did that come about for you? How did you like decide, like, I'm actually going to do it as opposed to everybody who just thinks they're going to do it? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. And I will... I will die on this. So like this video has been a game changer and there, um, I learned it a lot at sales loft as a seller. So, um, for those who don't know, I was at sales loft as a seller and then I moved over to sales Loft's engineering team. I had to interview and all that good stuff. But, um, as I was selling, I was learning about the best ways to get attention. Cause like what my job was, is like cold calling, emailing people to stand out and um, to like dif- not only differentiate myself from the competitors of Sales Loft, but also like from any other noise from like Bed Bath & Beyond and Home Depot, you know, yeah. why, why are you going to open my email over somebody else's email? Um, and so there's a statistic, I think it's 24%, but um, you're, you're, I think it's around 24%. You're more likely to get a response from somebody when you send a video versus when you just send text. And um, there's like all of this data on where exactly in the email you're supposed to position it like closer to the, you know, closer to the top because people open their emails from their phone and things like that. Things that video does is video helps you to become a human to them. Like, yeah. Or that email, um, if you're selling, right? If if you're selling and you're just sending them an email, you're literally just some text. If you're applying for a job, you're just a set of bullet points that match whatever the job qualifications. You're just literally bullet points on a resume. Um, so this is what turns you into a human. It makes you more memorable because other people aren't doing it. It helps them to recognize you. And especially as we're all working remote and people are craving that human to human interaction that we've been lacking for over a year now. Um, It helps you to just like become more noticeable and um, more familiar to them. And um, it, like I said, it's something that not everybody else is doing. So you're standing out from the Home Depots and the Bed Bath and Beyonds and from the other competitors for this position. I leveraged it heavily when I was selling as like different sales tactics. One as like an introductory introductory thing, like, hey, I'm your new account manager. Nice to meet you. But then also in the sales process to help drive sales forward. So the way that I recommend using it in a job application is either one of two ways, using it as an intro email to help to build that familiarity, say like, do the same thing as what you're doing in your cover letter. Like talk about, um, this is who I am. This is something interesting about me. Show that you're interesting. Like, you know, use your hands a lot, smile, um, show why you're good. Tell why you're a good fit for the job. Like two to three minutes, literally, um, just to get their attention. 
The one that I used the most heavily in my job application process was the project demo video, which is where you will go through as, or this is what I did, go through a project that you did as the user of your project and say, okay, this is like how I would click around. So with the thought in mind that this is taking you from a series of bullet points into a human, I would add context to my projects that is difficult to derive from like a written text or somebody's like on my website looking at my portfolio, they're not gonna see that, okay, I was thinking about accessibility and I added these focus dates in and I, you know, they, they could see that I put in ARIA labels, but I want I want to say that to them. I want them to hear it from me. Um, so I'm adding context or like, hey, I put a lot of thought into UX. And when you click this button, there's like a slight transition. So let me show you that to you again. And, you know, make it energetic and fun. So not only are you showcasing something that you're interested in because it's a project that you did, but you're also giving them tools that they can say, okay, well, yeah, you know what, like, even if this person doesn't, their resume doesn't necessarily stand out. One, I mean, nobody else did a video, so this is awesome. But two, like, this is some additional thought that they put behind it, and I get to see their thought process. And in all the people that um, I see who are going on series after series of interviews and, like, where they're really getting stuck is they have trouble being able to convey their thought process to um, the engineering managers. Like it's one thing to know all the fundamentals and you should know all that. Like, you know, these are data structures and all that good stuff. Engineering managers and recruiters, they want to see like that, that human side of you. Um, and they want to know that they're not hiring somebody who's memorized a bunch of facts. Like all that stuff is great. Um, but you need to add in that additional context that like, okay, I'm going to come into some problems that aren't necessarily this, fizz buzz thing, for example, right? <laughs> um, I'm going to come into some weird challenges or some weird bugs. I have to show them that I can think through things or that this is what's important to me. I know that you guys are really big on accessibility, which everybody should be. Um, I'm big on that too. And let me show you all the context. And this is, you know, the thought behind it. And I'll also show like, this is the problem that I solve. So I know as an engineering manager, you're thinking about our sales customers I'm thinking about your sales customers too. And this is how like I thought about my customers as I did this project, things like that. Again, I will talk about this forever, but um, I'm a huge advocate for incorporating videos as part of your projects. And so as I was applying to the role at sales, or I was trying to get the people on the engineering side to notice me, what I did was I would, as I worked to build these projects, I would send them updates, video updates of like what I was doing. So I ended up doing a project where I was using SalesLoft's external API to build a project. Um, it was something that I thought I needed as a salesperson would make my life better and easier. I would just update them like, hey, I built in this OAuth part of it. Here's a video of like how I did that. And, oh, I added in a transition. Here's a video of how I did that. And I would just like keep on peppering it to them. They didn't have a position that was going to be open for another year for oh, boy. Um, junior. Yeah. But um, like, I guess, you know, between me being, it's not annoying, but being very persistent. Present. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, I was able to, they, um, I got a message from the VP one day and he was like, hey, no, for no reason in particular, why don't you come over to our, um, to our kickoff, to the engineering kickoff? And I was like, okay, cool. And so at that time they told me, hey, we're um, gonna open up a position. So we want you to apply for it. So um, that was really excited. So it was like a, a huge level of um, persistence and standoutitudiveness. <laughs> I, like, I like that term. Yeah, and, and I, I recently heard a podcast, um, uh, of an episode of Full Stack Radio where Adam Wathen was talking to um, Ben Orenstein. They're two people who are kind of big in the Laravel and bootstrap community kind of thing. Ben runs Tuple and Adam is the guy behind Tailwind CSS. They were right. talking about hiring people and they mentioned, that, you know, that, 
to them, like the big thing is like they just want to reduce the risk when they're looking at these people and things that reduce, you know, your risk to a potential hiring manager are that they know that they're not going to hate working with you. So, you know, some of that personality that comes through in the video, like they can instantly get an understanding that like, oh, like this isn't, you know, a, a, you know, a, they're not just a silent person who's no fun to work with. Like, so you're de-risking the personal experience of, of working with you. And when you were talking about, uh, you know, showing, literally showing the code you've worked on, showing you in your brain going through the engineering process, they know what working with you is going to be like. You've, you've been showing them for months what that's going to be. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you're, you're taking that risk out of that. And, you know, hi- hiring an engineer is such a, it's a risk. Um, it's a huge investment, you know, they're paying you a lot of money, um, to hire anybody. It's, it's a lot, you know, between like the computer and the training and, um, all the resources and things that you'll need. And the, the downtime that they have as you ramp up, um, that's expensive and they want to feel good about the decision to hire you. So you want to make sure that you're answering all those questions before they even get asked. Um, and that you build that level of familiarity, because um, when it comes down to it and, you know, they're saying, OK, well, let's compare Shonday and Dustin, like on paper, their skills are identical. But, you know, Dustin was the one who showed that he has a really good personality. I heard his podcast and, um, you know, I like the way he laughs. So, like, I'm going to pick him if I oh, if- they'll, they'll, they'll have lots of laugh opportunities to hear. That's for sure. I don't think I can stop all podcasts. long. <laughs> But yeah, and I think one of the other things that actually people don't talk a lot about is it's you would think that doing an internal transfer sort of like you did would be easier. Like a lot of people think that like, oh, like they already know you. So it's going to be easy. But it seems in my experience that it's actually harder oftentimes that when people start to look at you as being one thing, it's very hard to change people's perception that you also can do something else. So I think a lot of what you were talking about, about the persistence and showing that like, no, like I really want to do this thing. And, you know, some the polite version is I'm not going to go away. Right, <laughs> like, right. This, this is, this is actually important to me. I've, I've tried in multiple companies before to be like the cool people are doing that thing over there. And I want to be on that team. And you try to let people know, and you try to be like, and then you try to, you know, I've tried doing some of the like, Oh, I've learned it on my own to get this stuff done. But lots of times it just, it never comes through because maybe you might be too good at your existing job and they don't want to lose you doing that. Or, or, you know, they just, they don't see you as an engineer, you know, for whatever reason. So I know, you you talked about, you know, I think there was one part in one of your, your posts, the one from back in October, talking about switching departments, about like convincing the people that you currently work with that it's okay for you to leave. Like, was that a challenge for you? Oh, well, okay. So yes and no. I, I think if I was at a company that wasn't sales loft, and I know not everybody, I know it's hard to find a company like that, but yeah. um, there were, there were, doors that were cracked open a little bit for me. Um, and when I get those doors cracked open, I will bust my way through if that's a room that I'll be in. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I, I hope everybody is um, doing that, like living their life like that. Some things that I did to help to create opportunity for myself or to get those doors to open that little crack yeah. um, was that I talked about everything that I was doing all the time. And yeah. That's scary because that's, again, putting yourself in a very vulnerable spot. If you don't have managers who are receptive to that, which I know a lot of people don't. And I, in my career, I haven't always had managers who are receptive to me doing anything other than what I was hired to do. Yeah. Um, that can be a really tough challenge to navigate. Um, at Sales Loft, I was one of the number one reps. Um, yep. So it could have been like the comfortable thing to do would have been to stay in that position or just like stay quiet. Like, hey, you know, I'm doing well here. I'm getting a lot of accolades. I'm getting I'm very well respected. Like all the leadership thinks the world of me as a salesperson. If I get any emails from recruiters on LinkedIn, it's always for like some sales position or, hey, you know, remember we used to work together. Hope you're interested in this sales job. Very easy for me to navigate the sales Base. And I say that with like, 
I, I sound very egotistical as I say that, but like, no, it's, it's just the experience of, of knowing like, this isn't scary anymore. Right. 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 And so, um, when I was interviewing at sales loft in the, at the time I knew that like it was, it might be a path that I wanted to go down. But um, I mentioned it to them as like, this is something that I do on the side. And I want to stay with a technology company because technology is my passion, which is true. Um, and so I mentioned to them that, you know, I'm even learning to code. So blah, blah, blah. Then slowly it turned into like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about learning to code. I want to start asking people out for coffee from the engineering team so that I get to know everybody. And I was just like, very slowly dripping information to my manager that like mm-hmm. coding is becoming a bigger part of my life before I was ready to introduce it to him. And then how I introduced it to him was um, we went out for lunch and I was like, I know what this like sounds like. And I haven't been at the company more than a year or anything like that. I do want to do a really good job at the job that I'm doing, but this is where my passion is. And, um, and yeah, so I, I think to go back to the ways that I cracked open the door a little bit was I would speak on it for a while and not like, not blast it out to everybody else. Like, um, you know, tell everybody, okay, yeah, I want to move over to engineering. So what can you guys all do to help me? It was just more like, Hey, you know, I was coding last night, you know, what'd you do this weekend? And (laughs) just slide it in. (laughs) And over time it would just like turn into more and more conversation. And then um, like I said, I would ask other folks out for coffee and like have conversations, not say like, oh yeah, I want to move over to engineering, but say, Hey, I'm learning JavaScript now. Like, would you go out for coffee? I'm interested in how you got into, um, engineering. And I just want to have questions. And I had like a series of questions that I'd usually ask and the conversations would go from there, yeah. but I was getting to know people on the engineering team so that it, there were no surprises when I started sending over those videos and things like that, that, okay, yeah, I think that she would be good, but I also think that she'd be interested in moving over. Um, And so I was just like, what I felt like I was doing was just kind of like laying the foundation for everything, which made the conversation a lot easier to have um, versus like, you know, oh, she's really good at sales. Then one day she just wakes up and now she wants to code. Like, you know, so the biggest takeaway out of all that is that you should be talking about what you're doing. Um, mention yeah. it to other people if it's something that you want to do. Um, you know, don't be afraid to have that conversation. And if I hadn't been having those like smaller little messages peppered in over the course of like months and maybe a year, it would have been, um, it would have put him in a tough spot to just be like, oh, like why? Like all of a sudden you, you know, is it something that I did? Yeah. Um, Are we why? not good enough for you anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you hit your number? Like what's the, you know? So um, yeah, I think uh, that. And then also think about how, like think about who cares about your move who cares about you staying in your current department too? So if you are trying to switch careers, what I mean by that is like, um, I was having a conversation with someone who moved out of sales into a different role at our company. And, um, I was talking to him about how I was telling my current manager about like, this is what I wanted to do. And he was okay with it, but he was like, that's great. You also need to think about who benefits from your move. He's yeah. like, you know, does your manager right now benefit? And I was like, no, he loses out. He's like, right. Yeah, right. Like, you know, you benefit. But the person that really cares is that hiring manager because he is finding a good engineer. So you want to be showing him all the love in the world. And so right after that call, I scheduled a meeting. Uh, it was a second meeting, but scheduled the second meeting with the person whose team I wanted to be on. Um and I laid out my path and I was like, listen, this is all this. Cause I couldn't like turn to him and have the same conversations that I had with my manager all the time. Cause he was in like far removed department on a different floor. Um, I was like, this is all the stuff that I've been doing all this time to get me on your team. And I want to be on your team. Um, what else can I do to show you that like, this is what I want and I deserve this. And um, I've earned the skills to, to be able to do this. And then like just continue to do the same kind of drip 
campaign uh like messaging stuff to, <laughs> to, yeah. him, to him videos and things like that yeah i mean so like you're, you're you're throwing together the mechanics of it's it's the same process when we're trying to sell anybody on anything when you're trying to get a job you're really just selling yourself as a product to to whoever you know to to whoever's buying whether that's internal external it doesn't matter you're just you're helping them to understand what you know you're previewing the goods to them as to what they're going to be getting and uh you know what else could they want other than to know that you know hey this decision is going to be a good decision for the company as a whole for my department you know and, you know shonda has been doing great here but we think she can have more impact over here and that's good for everybody but that definitely that always feels like the the internal one to me has always seemed like it was harder than just like going to find somebody else and 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 selling yourself to them those are some good tips to you know for anyone trying to trying to make that transition but yeah and for me i've found that like I, it's all just about like getting people to know me you know and the more people that know me like when i moved moved uh, over to tandem where i work now uh with the company the reason that they were able to understand that I was going to be able to help was because they, I had been working with them on an open source software project for like a year. And so they knew what I was doing already. I talked to them on Slack all the time. So I wasn't some random person. I was somebody who they already know they can get along with and they already know does good work. So Yeah. Have you ever read um, any Brene Brown books? I did. I've read. Um, Darren Greatly. Darren Greatly, yes, yeah, yeah that, that was the one. She has another one too that I think I want to read and I haven't yet, but yes, yeah. So that, so I think it's Darren Greatly where she says um, she talks about the twinkle lights versus the floodlights. If it's not familiar to you, I'll try to explain it as best I can. So she talks about vulnerability yep. as twinkle lights versus floodlights, and I think of the the trust that you have between you in tandem before you start working with them or me and sales off before I start working with their engineering team as a series of these interactions. So twinkle lights, it's, you know, very small here, very small there. But then if you go back and look back, it's this beautiful array of twinkly, beautiful lights, right? Versus the floodlights example, where you're just like, blasting people with a floodlight (laughs) (laughs) that is the opposite of creating trust it's like you know oversharing type of thing so that's you know to equate that to looking for a job or to switching careers where you're just like out of nowhere hey i've been working in silence this whole time doing really good at my sales job and then all of a sudden i say hey guys i want to apply for the engineering job and they're like well since when like what like when did you (laughs) decide that you wanted to be an engineer right so you want to like build this trust with people over time, over the series of interactions. So, yeah, you know, and not everybody has the luxury of deciding like how long or the, the, the luxury of being able to have like this long length of time to be able to build that trust. Yep. You know, if you do have, if you do have the advantage of having a job that is secure right now, um, but you do see something like off in the distance that you want to get to definitely, start planting the seeds right now. Just, you know, work through, throw in a twinkle, turn on a twinkle light. <laughs> yeah. I like, I like that. I've, now that you mentioned, it, I remember the part in the book where she was talking about, um, you know, about uh, like hitting people with the overshare and like <laughs> a, a little too much all at once that like, you know, people don't trust you if you just dump it all on them. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Well, uh, we, we've been, uh, you know, talking for about an hour now, um, Sean Day, is there any, anything else that you think you'd want to share with everybody? No, if you, um, ever want to talk with me, network with me, um, you can find me. The beauty of having a unique name is that I can just use my first name as a handle for everything. So I'm you jealous. Can <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter. I've got at Sean Day and it's spelled S H A U N as in Nancy, D as in David, A I. Twitter, Dev, um, GitHub, LinkedIn. Um, you can find me anywhere just at my, at my first name as a handle. Um, happy to connect with anyone. If you have any questions about how to break into tech, um, navigating parenthood, or if you just want to connect with somebody who, um, is in the field, would love to, to talk with you. Awesome. Thanks, Shonday. Thanks for coming on the podcast. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks. Have a good one. You too. Thank you for listening to DevQuest. 
If you like the episode, do us a favor and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform, as it will help folks find us. You can find the show, including show notes and links to our work at devquest.lando.dev. Consider sponsoring Lando on Patreon at patreon.com slash devwithlando so we can continue to build the best open source developer tool belt in the galaxy and bring you more podcast episodes like this one. If you have a question or a story you'd love to tell, you can contact us at podcast at lando.dev. Until next time, dev well, friends. Hey.